0: throw left side has the first down and more up the sideline 40
1: 30 20 10 5 touchdown houston there is no off season for your houston texans game day is every day now it's texans all access yes it is
0: hello texans and welcome to the program mark vandermeer with you with john harris and John McClain who boy Johnny the general joins us tonight from to like, top secret like the Camp David bunker or anything. Some lair somewhere. The general okay? lair. Yeah. It's uh all right, so he's texted me pictures today of the Chesapeake Bay oh, views yeah. and vistas and whatever's and <laughs> it is just so nice and you mm-hmm. can just see temperatures in the mid 70s you can just tell by the photos it was just perfection and uh, he deserves this but it's great to have him on. and general good evening how are you tonight
2: guys i'm doing great i'm coming to I'm you from to hear the, us. i can hear you fine i'm coming to you from uh, the front porch of our okay great cottage cottage we've had done on the chesapeake bay looking out at the water
3: general what's your um What's your itinerary for? Are you there for a week? What do you got going on?
2: uh, I'm writing right now, John, a column for Sunday about the wide receivers and uh, how everything seems to be up in the air other than Brandon Cooks, who's going to be inside, who's going to be outside. How quick can Nico Collins develop as a rookie who opted out his last year at Michigan and uh, the relationship they need to build? that they started on an off-season program with the quarterbacks, specifically to Rod Taylor as they get ready for that first game against Jacksonville.
0: Well, since you brought it up, since it was brought up, we're talking about Kiki QT a lot lately and the fact that he finished pretty strong with the last five games, averaging five catches, seventy two yards per game, and a lot of other guys were catching a lot of passes as well as they were throwing the ball a ton productively. So Kiki had a pretty nice finish here. Randall Cobb comes back healthy. Is there room for those guys?
2: Boy, I'll tell you what, John, I don't know how camp many guys and- I don't know how many guys are gonna keep at wide receiver. You know, those guys, if you're not a starter, you gotta contribute on special teams. Randall Cobb missed the last six games, with Will Fuller being suspended the last five. Guys like Kiki and Chad Anson stepped up opposite of Brandon Cook. So they're gonna keep the best guys. But what you did last year doesn't mean squat to Nick Casario and David Culley and these new coaches. So you gotta bring it. If you didn't bring it in all season program, you're starting behind in training camp. And so if they have enough guys that have to be on the team, they'll cut back somewhere else. And, you know, to score, you got to have guys that can catch the ball. If you think about this, two years ago at this time, the White House were DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. And now it's Brandon Cooks and somebody else, and they love Cobb's experience, QT going into the last year of his contract. This is a big season for him. There's no guarantee he's going to make the team. But if he plays like he played at the end of last season, there will be a spot for him here.
3: John, when you look at the veterans that the Texans brought on, Chris Conley, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief, uh, Andre Roberts is more the returner than he is a receiver. Uh, he's listed in that group. But of the veterans that they brought on, which guy do you think makes, A, makes the team, B, makes the biggest impact of any of the veterans that they brought on of that group. Even Chris Moore coming off an injury, who I thought during OTAs was as fun to watch as any of the receivers. Who do you think of that group could potentially make the impact that they're looking for out of a veteran-wide receiver?
2: Chris Conley, mainly because we've seen him with the Jaguars. He had over 40 catches last year, I believe. And another thing, you know, remember how fast he was when he came into the league? He's still fast, and he's 6'3". And he's got experience. You know, Dante Moncrief's said his eighth year, he's got experience. But Conley can run. You know, Nico Collins can run. Cooks can run. Speed is important here. You know, the inside guy needs to be quicker but more than faster. Got but it. I'm fired up to see what Chris Conley does.
3: Yeah, I am too. I mean, with that speed that he has, and he's big. General, I remember when he came for a visit uh, as a uh, at the University of Georgia, when he was at the University of Georgia, going in the draft, I remember him coming for a visit. We arrived at about the same time, and I looked at him. and I thought, "Is that Todd Gurley?" I mean, he's absolutely massive at that point. So, General, if you look at the let's look at the receivers and the tight ends kind of combined. I know they're different positions, but in some sense, you know, you keep six receivers, maybe only four tight ends, maybe you keep five wide receivers. I don't think you keep five tight ends. But how do you think what happens to a receiver if at all? does that then change what they do at at tight end? Because Brevin Jordan could flex out and play a little bit of a big wide receiver. Jordan Akins we've seen do that before. How do you think those positions are linked, if at all, with the numbers that they decide to keep because of the guys they have at tight end, guys like Brevin Jordan, Jordan Akins, that could play receiver?
2: Well, one of the good things of having a big practice squad again and being able to keep veterans – that's good for a couple of guys are going to end up on the practice squad, but I think they're going to keep the best guys. If there were four tight ends that played better than the wide receivers, I think they'd keep the extra tight end, but they got a lot of questions at tight end. We know Akins is going to be there and they're not going to cut Brevin Jordan, but everything else is up in the air. And I think they got seven of them overall, but, uh, uh, You know, a guy like Isaiah Coulter, he didn't get on the field as a rookie, but you guys know most players make their biggest improvement between the first and second year. And we knew coming from Rhode Island in a smaller college and going out there and playing with the big boys that he might not make a contribution as a fifth-round pick. But who knows what's going to happen to him. Casario kept him. He obviously liked something about him. I'm guessing Casario liked him when he came out of college. He was – a you know, a long punt away from the Patriots. So I'm I'm guessing that uh, uh, a guy like that has a really good opportunity, but it's going to be tough when you have so many veterans. And the, of all the receivers and the tight ends, the one I am most intrigued to see is Kahali Waring. Because Waring hasn't done squat for two years, but he's still on the team. He flashes when he's out there. He looks like a tackle who can run. You know, he's built like a Greek statue. He he can do everything you want, but he's got to get it down mentally, and he's got to produce. And he flashed enough last year to make you think, wow, if he can just – put it together well this is his last chance with the texans you either put it together in your third year or you're going to go somewhere else
0: john running backs by committee is there room for all four of these veterans and i know they have other guys like scotty phillips and i think hilliard's more of a special teamer and obviously howell is but they have the four vets room for all do injury solve the problem how do they handle that
2: Well injuries would solve the problem, Mark, but they're not gonna keep four veteran running backs. The third and fourth one would have to play special teams. I mean those guys play special teams. And and I think this with the seventeenth game, and they really only were two deep with the Johnsons last year, and neither one of them played the well as well as they were capable, but with the renewed emphasis on the running game under Cully and of course Casario, I think that they'll 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 be two deep and maybe three, and somebody's going to get hurt. So the third guy will play, but that fourth guy, it's going to be hard to beat out Buddy Howe because he's so good on special teams, and special teams are important. Right now, if we're looking at offense, defense, and special teams, which is the best? Special teams are the best. And they've even made them better this year with the addition of Andre Roberts and some more guys who can cover and block. So I look for the special teams to be really good. Wade Smith said on 610 last week he thinks the special teams can be good enough to win a couple of games. And that would be great, especially if Andre Roberts can give the offense some field position that it's been lacking because the return game was almost an afterthought. So Casario signs a pro bowler. And I I can't wait to see the special teams. You know, it's not going to matter what we see in camp. I want to see them when they start playing preseason games. But any of those backups, they better be able to contribute in that area because if they ain't ain't going to be able to do it, then that's going to figure prominently in whether they stay or go.
3: John, you mentioned it a second ago when you said the Johnson and Johnson, David and Duke Johnson. Duke's not signed with anybody. Is that surprising at all to you? It
2: is. Yes, it is. Because two years ago, I thought Duke was good. You know, the Bill O'Brien gave up third-round compensatory pick to get him. And then last year, he didn't play very well, but not many Texans played very well. And I, Duke will get a job somewhere when somebody gets hurt. And I started thinking if David Johnson could stay healthy, you know, last year he would add close to a thousand yards rushing, close to 15, 500 yards receiving and about 1500 yards and double digit touchdowns if he played all 16 games based on the pace. Now I don't see that happening this year because I think the wear and tear of having a, a prominent running game that's a key part of the offense is going to cause the guys to get injured. But I would love to see what Johnson could do for 16 games. And the running back I'm most excited to watch is Philip Lindsay because he's young. You know, he had 2,000-yard seasons. He got hurt last year. He got cut. He's got something to prove because he grew up in Colorado. He was such a big deal in Denver, a very popular local kid, undrafted free agent, and – They told him they didn't want him anymore. So he's coming to camp with a big chip on his shoulder, and it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't end up being the starting running back.
0: Interesting. General, uh, we'll get back to some more Texans camp tidbits here, but I tweeted this out, and I thought, man, back in the day, camp would have already been underway for several weeks now, at least a couple. So take us back, and I know we talk about this maybe every year, but I think it's very interesting, to the days when training camp would begin in early July, I believe, and they would ramp up for six preseason games. Oilers in San Angelo, I think they were in Nacogdoches one year. Where and when and how, how do the memories fly for you when you recall Oilers training camp days with Bum Phillips and the other guys?
2: Well, first of all, training camp today is a piece of cake compared to those for the players and everybody. I like going on the road. It build camaraderie. It used to have a lot of fun. The media, we'd go to dinner. We'd go to movies. We'd go have a few beers at night. We'd play golf together when we had a chance to do it. A lot of times on Sunday when they were off, the coaches would play golf with some of us, and it was a lot of fun where you really got to know people and, you know, they didn't treat you like a disease. And so I thought, and it, my first camp, and I thought about this last week, David Carter played eight years in the offensive line for the Oilers. He died on Saturday. And David was 67. In my first camp, he was a rookie, 1977, Nacogdoches. I made the drive up there, had no clue about what I was doing. The main beat guy, Al Langley, he was he was at a church camp. So they told me, go up for a week. They got the rookies. Some vets will be in there. And it was it was so early I got to watch the baseball all-star game while I was at, at Stephen F. Austin. And I went to a TV, black and white, sitting on a counter in the kitchen <laughs> of the dorm. And I was watching it. And this this blonde-haired young guy came down and sat next to me. And he was watching it. And I le- reached over and said, hi, I'm John McLean from the Chronicle. I'm here until Hal Lundgren gets here. And he says, hey, I'm waiting. And uh, that's how I met Wade Phillips. And that was six preseason games, eight-week camp, a, rookie, a week with the rookies. And as soon as the players got to camp, they hit with pads, and those coaches put them through every Oklahoma drill because they that's what they used to get them in shape. Players had to work jobs in the off season. They started trying to get in shape in June. They didn't do it like today where you'd be at the facility all year round get three meals a day and get everything you need, they started getting ready in June. And coaches thought, we're going to beat the hell out of them, and we're going to do it right away, and it'll help them get in shape. And I'll tell you what, there are no more injuries back then than there are today, even though it was a lot tougher physically and mentally. I remember a player one time would beat on his knee with a Bible at night where it would swell up because he didn't want to have to go out for two days because sometimes oh after gosh. two, two-and-a-half-hour practices, they'd make them run sprints. And they were they were throwing up and blowing snot bubbles and cussing at the trainers and the coaches, and fellows and was just laughing about it. But it was fun. At night, those guys would go out. I've seen guys drink a case of beer in an hour from the time the meetings ended to curfew. And I'll tell you another great story because it's two prominent members of the Houston Oilers who are in the Pro Football of Fame, and neither one of this them will admit this, but it's true. Bruce Matthews, first ballot nominee, Mike Munchak, Broncos offensive line coach. I think it was 86, we're in Sam Marcus. And uh uh no, it was it, I'm sorry, it was like ninety or ninety-one. Jack Pardee called Steve Watterson, the strength and rehab coach, to his room at the dorm. And he took him to the back, opened the curtains, and said, see those things? (laughs) See that furniture flying off the balcony? You want you to go over there and tell Matthews and Munchak to quit competing to see who can throw the furniture the farthest. And Watterson said, me? You don't want to do it? He said, I'm the head coach, and and I'm telling you to do it. So Watterson tells a story going over there and knocking on the door and telling Munchak Matthews they gotta quit competing and uh turn the lights out and go to bed and get ready for two days.
3: General, what did they what did back in the day, what did they do in the spring? Anything at all? Like when the season was over, it was just over and they didn't see him again until the beginning of training camp?
2: No, they 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 had off season program and like in nineteen ninety three, Buddy Ryan came in as a defensive coordinator, and he wanted to make the defense tougher. And one of the things he did, the media used to go over and watch this, he would have the players out there in shorts and T-shirts and lining up and going through drills, and he had them hitting each other and they'd get in fistfights, and we could write about it. I remember seeing guys go into the locker room because their face was bloody and clean it up and come back out. And uh, Lamar Lathan, U of H number one pick in 1990. Lamar was, uh, who still lives in Houston. He was built like a, a, a statue, and he came in. He played defensive end, outside linebacker. Well, but he thought he needed to get tougher mentally, so he dropped him down to about fifth on the depth chart. He didn't have enough linebackers to put ahead of him, so he moved Joe Bowden who's with Eddie George's new staff at Texas Southern, and he put him in front of Lamar. And those guys used to get in practice before fights before they lined up, about who was going to line up first. And the coaches just ate it up. When Glanville was there, he loved for his guys to get in fights. One time, Lamar Lathan and a guard, Kevin Donnelly, in training camp in San Antonio, got in a fight on the field. And then it went off the field. And then they were in the weight room throwing dumbbells and barbells at each other. Fortunately, nobody got hurt bad. They're just blowing off steam, and the coaches loved it when nobody got hurt.
0: What about the blur of covering six preseason games back then, John? We just went from four to three, but with six, how did you handle that? How did they play the guys? I mean, obviously, you're going to play a lot of guys you're going to cut, but still you're trying to get your team ready, and that's a lot of exposure to injuries as well.
2: The way they handled preseason then, when six and then when they went to four, and this could be the way they do it now because they have a bye week. So they have two weeks to get ready for the first game. So I don't think you're going to be resting your starters in the third game and have them have three weeks off and be rusty by the time you play the first game like Jacksonville. So they would they would start and the starters would play a little bit. Next one, they'd play a little more, a little more than the last one which was usually against the Cowboys, they would play three quarters, both teams, and they'd be ready to start. Now, of course, uh, they, they when they had four, they didn't play the starters in the fourth game because they had 10 days. So I don't know if every coach is going to handle it the old-fashioned way or if they'll keep doing it that way because it's new territory that we're in. But back then when I was young and so excited to be covering NFL, I just was excited to see a game. Now, of course, I hate preseason games, but I've said this before and I'll say it again. When you have 50 new players, including 42 veterans, I'd love to see the Texans have a fourth preseason game because the coaches – They've got to le- a lot to learn about their players, and they need as much time as they can to do it. And the only way you can know really truly is when you're playing against somebody else so the Texans could use that fourth preseason game.
3: General, there are a number of Texans, uh, a lot of them, that have got to play at, a, at an extremely high level for this team to be successful in 2021. But it feels like there are a handful of guys that you absolutely have to get a strong season out of them. I've, I've talked about a few. I think Titus Howard is very key to this team, and depending whether he plays guard or tackle or whatever he plays, I think Titus's progress uh, is huge. I think Lonnie Johnson's progress is huge. I think Ross Blacklock's um, a massive, important factor to take a step up. Is there a player or two in your mind that you look at and go, these guys had better show something this year um, or else. Or else it was roster spot or else this team is going to take a nosedive, whatever the case might be. Who are the guys that you think are that important that they've got to take steps forward for this team to take a big step
2: forward? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you all a story. One time I was talking to Al Davis at an NFL meeting about the old a- L days, he talked to me because I, I loved the Oilers back when I was a kid, and he was assistant coach for the Chargers under Sid Gilman when they played the first two championship games that the Oilers won. And one time he told me, he said, you can't win if you can't score. He said, I want guys that can score. He said, I, I, like, I want a quarterback who can throw the ball down the field. i got to have a running back. i got to have receivers so who've got the speed to get downfield and a tight end to work the middle. he didn't say anything about defense, but of course, defense is important, but it doesn't matter how great your defense is if you can't score. So the most important player on the Texans is Terod Taylor. And the problem with Terod, the last two times he's been a starter, he's gotten hurt both early in both seasons. So if that – if that happens to him three times and you've got Jeff Driscoll or Davis Mills, I'm, I'm guessing if he's out a long period of time, Casario's going to sign another veteran quarterback. And so we know what they have with Brandon cooks, the other wide receivers wide open. I think whoever the slot receiver is, they will be productive. And of course, the Lions got to do a good job run blocking. They're going to have more balance. I think they'll get a back or two can run because they have so many candidates, but they have to score. They have to have better field position from the return game. They have to be able to be better in the red zone. You can't fumble at Indianapolis's two-yard line and one-yard line. And, And then defensively, you know, you think about all the one score losses they had last year, I think it was eight or nine. Think about that overtime game at the Titans when they just took it straight down the field in overtime. The defense cannot allow the big plays. And I think the guy like Titus Howard, if Marcus Cannon were to beat him out, I don't see him going anywhere because Cannon's 33 years old. Odds are he would not be the starter in 2022. So I don't think Titus would be traded. But I think Titus is going to win that job, and I think both guard jobs are wide open. And uh, as we talked about last week, I guessed in my Sunday column that they would open with Jaleel Johnson and Malik Collins at tackle and Charles Amenehu and Shaq Lawson and end, and then in passing situations they would take out the tackles and bring in some more pass rushers. And so, you know, you've got to have both – both lines have got to be set and they got to be solid and they got to be consistent because if you have those problems up front that they had last year, it's going to affect you across the board. So uh, that's something that it has to start up front. And uh, Bobby King, the defensive line coach, James Camp and the new offensive line coaches, there's going to be a lot of people watching them and analyzing them because of the guys they are responsible for.
0: John, in the I-have-no-control-over-this-so-why-even-worry-about-it department, Rich Eisen has COVID, and he's been double-vaxxed, and he has symptoms, and obviously there are other people like this, and I'm not one of these alarmists or paranoids, but as far as the NFL is concerned, this testing every 14 days for vaccinated players is fine. However, the vaccinated players have permission to do virtually anything And I'm wondering if we're going to lose more guys this year than we did last year, not because they're sick, but they just test positive because they might be exposed to people with it. What are your thoughts on that? And I'm, you know, again, I have no control over this stuff.
2: Well, first of all, I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. If you're a player coach and you don't get your vaccinations, you're a moron. Because not only are you endangering yourself, you're endangering your teammates. Even if it's just contract tracing, they're out, they could miss games with only 17 games. It can cost you a game. You know, I, I just, it just amazes me. But anyway, if you have had your two vaccinations, it's almost like you can go to clubs, you can go anywhere you want. And so you can be exposed to somebody else. When I got my shots early on, And I got Pfizer and has 95%. So there's 5% that have two shots. They're still going to get COVID, but it's not supposed to be as severe when you get it. So, There's no 100% guarantee on any of these shots. Moderna was like 94, and then the one from Johnson & Johnson is just one. It was 68. So it's going to happen. And so if your guys are not vaccinated, and I can't imagine a nincompoop that wants to come to work and wear the contact bracelet and have to go through everything they went through last year because he's nitwit doesn't want to get vaccinated and he puts others in danger, it's almost like if you get if you get COVID nineteen from being a numbskull, they ought to not pay you. But of course, they're going to get paid because that's the union. I just I hope that that's not true and they don't have players who test positive. But man, if you didn't get vaccinated and you cost your team a game or two, shame on you,
0: General. What do you have going out of the Chronicle for us?
2: I'm working on this column about the wide receivers. I've got two blogs up. And uh, I'll be hitting the ground mon- running Monday, riding every day through the end of the season. And I am pumped up, I think, uh, since my first camp was 77. Uh and I've been to a lot of them every year. I get really fired up, feel like uh, a rookie again. And uh, so I'm excited to get over there. They've lifted a lot of the restrictions for the media. We have a Zoom call about it tomorrow Uh, to tell us what the protocols are. I'm glad they're getting some fans in as well. It will feel more like a real training camp.
0: Going to be fun. General, can't wait. Thanks so much for being with us tonight.
2: Hey, Mark and John, thank you guys very much. Always love coming on with you. Can't wait to do it again next week. Thank you.
0: You got it. All right, and enjoy Chesapeake Bay and the beautiful weather. James Mishner wrote a book called Chesapeake, like he wrote Texas and Mexico and Alaska. He also wrote Chesapeake, and I've got that one. I gotta read it. All right, Johnny, coming up. We're not going to play more likely to happen tonight. What we are going to do is get some gut reaction from you. Usually you do this segment, but I'm stealing it for tonight. I've got some reactions to these things, too. Uh, From around the league, Houston Texans related, of course. Let's get to it next on Texans Radio.
1: Texans All Access continues in a moment. From the slightest bend to complex motions... Your body is made to move. At Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, our teams are using advanced technology and imaging to develop custom treatment plans, and our minimally invasive procedures can help you heal faster. We have the expertise to keep you moving because every movement matters. Find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. medicine. Fear of missing out is a real thing. Don't have FOMO when it comes to your favorite team? Follow the Houston Texans on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat.
0: Do it. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. We've got Texans training camp live beginning two weeks from last night, Johnny. It's two weeks... It's less night.
3: than two weeks. It's less July, than two weeks.
0: Yeah, July 28th, 8 to 10 a.m. We will be out there live at the Houston Methodist Training Center doing our thing, and we'll have, I hope, Nick Casario on <laughs> that day. Look, I haven't, I haven't really had that 100% confirmed yet, but he'll be there. <laughs> Come yeah. on. I know he will. Uh, Anyway, it's going to be fun to be out there and uh, talk about what's happening on the practice field. As they'll ramp up, you know, they can't wear pads right away, as we all know. It'll take them a few days to get into pads and do all that. But, uh, look, they'll be doing more football stuff than they are now, which is zero at the Houston (laughs) Methodist Training Center. But guys are working out on their own. In fact, I heard about a lot of uh, guys working out uh, together in various groups and various places. So that's really cool. I know a lot of teams do that, but uh, these guys – you have so many new players from different places. It's nice to hear that they're uh, getting together. Johnny, I've got gut reaction for you. Are okay, right, you ready for this? this? I love this. Yes. All right. Here we go that the Titans are going to add Jeff Fisher, Floyd Reese, and Bum Phillips to their ring of honor gut reaction. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> the Bum Phillips one is the one that gets me. Well, that's why I that's why. I it, it, yeah. I mean, that's the
3: one that gets me. It's like. You know, somebody made a good point. You know, There was a talk about, you know, hey, they were actually the Oilers still in Tennessee. I'm like, oh, please. Um, like, Only because they okay. had to be. Okay. But when they've worn the retro Oilers jerseys, they mm. wore the 1960s Oilers jerseys. So if you want to wear the 1997 Tennessee Oilers jerseys, okay, fine. The, you know, but you can – I just – this whole thing about um, – it's got kind of funny now. That I think about it. I saw I saw a guy. So they're doing a bunch of construction down in the surface level, and yeah. I saw a guy that was working. And most of the guys oh, you no. see, they're not wearing. He's wearing an Oilers hat. No.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. And I
3: wasn't sure exactly what to say because, Mark. I'll be honest. For a long time, I wore. I I have this awesome Oilers hat, and I love it. But when yeah. I got in the building, I stopped. I stopped wearing it. I got a, I got a great Oilers starter jacket, right? Can't wear that. That's just kind of sitting in the closet. It's which is fine. I'll send it to, I'll send it to starter jacket. That is so cool. That's so 90s. It is so 90s, but Mm. the whole bump Phillips thing is, I mean, come on. It's terrible. Put Jeff Fisher up there. I think Floyd, I think Floyd Reese was still with the, I think he was with the Titans, you know, put the. Put the people that earned it in Nashville, put them up there, like Jeff yeah. Fisher, great,
0: Floyd Reese, fantastic, you know, bum, oh, like come no on. problem don't no problem with those guys, Reese yeah. and Fisher, fine, look, bum, Phillips, you no know what way. this is, Johnny, this is okay, this is. You divorced, you got remarried, but you tell your new wife, I'd like to celebrate my ex-wife's birthday, even though she's not here. I want to celebrate it in our house. Okay, That's, that's what yes. that is. That's
3: exactly what this is. This that's is exactly what, that is. what this and, is.
0: And when you said, oh, well, they had the Euler name in Tennessee. Yeah, but that's like. I couldn't – it's it's a woman, the equivalent of a woman divorcing, and she yeah. couldn't get the name changed right, right away. Yeah. All right? And that's why the name hung out. It wasn't like they took great pride in wearing the Oiler jersey in Tennessee. They wanted to change that baby as quickly as possible. To their credit, I understand, wanting to start a new history in Nashville. And guess what? Since you did – and I know that mclean doesn't like this. That's why I didn't bring it up in the first segment. But <laughs> since you did, why not take me up on my idea, which is sort of put the Oilers to rest in Houston, come up with an Oiler Hall or museum and say this is where the Oilers live now in eternity. Okay, this is an Oilers Hall of Fame or whatever. I know it costs you a few bucks, but come on, it's probably worth it to preserve what you would like to preserve since you don't want to let go of the past because the people in Nashville couldn't give a flip about Bum Phillips yes. or Elvin Bethay who they honored right. when he got into the Hall of Fame or any of those guys. That's right. all I have to say about that right now.
3: Yeah, they okay. they care about Steve McNair and Eddie George. Yep. I forget that Eddie George was actually here in Houston for a, a year, which yeah, yeah. is weird the, to think about.
0: But the, you know, at Steve McNair, the seedlings of what was the early Titans team were mm-hmm. here in Houston, which is fine. But we, you know, that's fine. All right, they they, they belong to Nashville. I get it. Uh, all those guys who went to the Super Bowl in '99 and everything—good for you. However, I just you know, Bum Phillips is not a Titan. Okay, no, not at all. Gut reaction to this, as Jimmy Johnson says, Urban Meyer is frustrated with the lack of hours he's getting with these pro football players, right? Not enough time negotiated in the CBA, I guess, or whatever the complaint is. What is your gut reaction to what Jimmy Johnson had to say about Urban Meyer being frustrated?
3: I am so not surprised. When I saw this, I was like, and what? I mean, how you had to know this was going to be – the the situation with urban he he's used to he's used to doing it a certain way and the nfl says no no i i guarantee you i guarantee you urban feels burned by his players with whatever happened with the nfl pa and getting their otas uh slap on the wrist for 20 i guarantee you he that he's he feels burned by that I'm sure he's like, look, I know the NFL, I get the CBA, I can't be around my players, I can't do this, I can't do that. I guarantee you, whatever happened, and however it got reported, he feels absolutely burned. And I think that's what he's upset about. Is like, yeah, I could have had more time with the players, could have had this, but what he's not saying is, man, somebody ratted me out, or that shouldn't happen. You know, hey, if the players are there, we should be able to do certain things. Look, Urban Meyer – and I don't think this is a secret to anybody. Urban Meyer has always done whatever Urban Meyer wanted to do. Everybody, here's, right. here's a – this, this is a uh, – my buddy was a silent reporter for the Gators. He he texted me – this is, well, it's a way back. It wasn't even a text. He sent me an email because it was before text. And he said, hey, he knew that I liked Urban Meyer when he was at Utah. And so when he signed, when Urban Meyer went to Florida, he asked me, he said, hey, what do you think Irvin I said, man, you guys are going to love him. You're going to love him. He gets up at his initial press conference, his inaugural press conference as a catering. He talks about all this great stuff. He talks about discipline. He talks about all this stuff. And I, I called up my friend. And I said, yep, see, this is exactly what you guys need in Florida. So then they have this true freshman who showed up early. His name, I believe, is Avery Atkins. And he is a whale of a player, but he is a nightmare off the field. I mean – and for Urban Meyer teams at Florida, that was pretty much par for the course. And I mean, Mark, he was a huge problem. He had been arrested twice. I think one of them was shoplifting. I think he was stealing from guys in the locker room. And the coaches are like, "Look, Urban, you said you know d- discipline's got to be our thing." And Urban's like, "No, no, no. We got to keep him. We got to win. We got we got to keep him. We got to keep that guy." But wait, you said at the press conference. You were gonna like you were gonna do things a certain way, right? Like, like this is the Gator way. He's like, "No, no, no. You, you know, uh." Uh-uh. We're sticking with this guy, and they ended up going to the fall, and he ended up he ended up doing something else, and eventually Urban had to get rid of him uh, because it just got to a point where it was way way left, but he kept the pounces. he kept Aaron Hernandez, um, you know Percy Harvin was an issue when he was at the University of Florida, uh, even though I like Percy and I think that Percy's got some he's got some demons that he had to kind of work through, um, but he gave all those guys second third fourth, fifth chances. Mm-hmm. And the guys that got arrested on campus, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Urban has always done what Urban wants to do. And now he's under the same rules that everybody else is. Oh, well, you can say to NCAA, oh, everybody's under the same NCAA rule. No, they weren't. No, no, they well, were not. That's, no, they were that's not. Where in, the NFL, in the NFL, everybody is under the same rules, and everybody is watching, including the NFLPA
0: and the NFLPA's players, basically. Right. The players are unionized, so you can't get away with too much. Remember mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin going to the Giants and trying to spring practices, and immediately the players turned him in, basically. I mean, that's what happened, because exactly. how else do people find out about it? So Urban apparently, allegedly being frustrated with limits on players' time. My response to that is every college coach I've ever worked with in football or basketball or baseball even, complained about the lack of hours they had with players because yes. of the NCAA rules, right? Yes. Yes. oh, in the spring we only get them for X number of hours of week and we only have X number of practices always and then during crying. the week yes. in the fall. They're always crying about the lack of time they get with their players. And I'm thinking, well, why would he be frustrated here since really in the spring when you do have them, you have them all day basically, right? Mm-hmm. When yep. do you get these college players all day? I guess when you're at Florida or Ohio State or maybe Utah or maybe Bowling Green too. Other than that, you don't get them every day allegedly. Right? So you're right that if you don't get turned in in college, maybe they don't know. The other thing about college that's interesting to me is – now, you have all these seven on sevens, whatever they do in the summer. Guys are on campus all summer long. This n- was not the way no. 30 years ago, exactly. 25 years ago. Now they're on campus all summer long, basically. You want to go on vacation with your parents? Forget about it. Even my kid playing freshman high school basketball going into a sophomore year, rising sophomore, they've done a lot of stuff this summer, not with the coach officially, but AAU ball. It's all your choice, right? Yep. But it's like, you know, you choose to pack your parachute when you get on the plane. Because uh, you might need it, right? Yep. Or when you jump out of the plane. So it's an interesting sports world we live in. I remember, look, I remember stories about Judd Heathcote, the basketball coach at Michigan State, yeah. Magic Johnson's coach, uh-huh. and you're not allowed to watch your players prior to the start of you know Ma- Midnight Madness at the time, the practice yes. sessions. Uh, but he would be like, yeah, I'm just watching my team. Sorry, I'm sitting here in the bleachers, and I'm going to watch (laughs) my team. And he would tell anybody who would listen, and nobody challenged him on that. I would imagine that goes on a lot of places in the country. Now the rules are different. I get it. You can go on these international trips. The point is this. I guess in college it's a little bit more of the Wild West. In the NFL, you are right, my friend. It is so much more controlled mm-hmm. so we got to remember that okay I got a couple more for you yeah uh, from around the league and we'll get you ready for camp it's coming up less than two weeks it's Texans radio
1: touchdown Texans radio continues in a moment two is better than one how many times have you heard that one more than once I bet because it just adds up for example there are two not one great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Techron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. Care for your car. Going somewhere? The Texans Mobile App. Don't leave home without it.
0: Great to have you listening. Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer, and John Harris with you. A few more things from around the league here. Texans will begin training camp practice on July 28th. That's a Wednesday morning, and the open practices start after. But open is an interesting word here. Obviously, season ticket members go first, and there are some other opportunities to get some tickets to practice. And I recommend becoming friends with a season ticket member or becoming one yourself, all right? This is a really good thing to do. So... Think about that. HoustonTexas.com has more information. All right. Kirk Cousins, Johnny. Irv Smith. I love these headlines. Irv Smith Jr. Kirk Cousins has a lot more swagger this year. Do I even bother with this one? Should I even bother? Nope. Uh, Cousins having swagger in July is not exactly what Viking fans want to hear. Tell cool. me how you're doing in December and possibly yep. January. Okay, let's go Thank to the next you. one here. What about Tom Brady and this report that he wow. had a knee injury that did not make the injury report, and it was a significant one? MCL, mm-hmm. a torn MCL that required off-season surgery, but he kind of gutted it out through the remainder of the season. Never made the injury report. Your thoughts? Yeah, never
3: made the injury <laughs> report. That's some shady, you know what, that, that's, that ain't right. Um, that's the, the injury report is there. You know, like how many times, Mark, have we seen guys go on the injury report? Like we see him in the hallway, walking in the hallway, walking fine. See him in practice fine. And you see him on the injury report, like, wait a second. Why is he in the injury report? A knee?
0: He's walking fine in the hallway. He looked
3: fine. But, um, yeah, to not have been on the injury report at all, all year with a knee, ee, that's that's a little um, – and it's, and it's Tom Brady too. I mean, yep. I don't think anybody is going to, ooh, Tom's knee is hurt. Let's go after it. I, I, I don't think that was going to happen. So, I don't know what they – I don't know what – now, I won't totally put this in the box because maybe Tom didn't say anything. Maybe Tom right. didn't go to the trainer. Maybe Tom didn't miss one minute of practice. So – I can't, you can't put it completely on the Bucks, but if they knew and they didn't put them on in injury report, well, then something needs to happen to them. That's that's for sure. But if they didn't know and Tom just hid it from them and didn't go to the trainer, didn't go get checked out or any of that because he knew it would have to be reported, well, then that's on Tom. There's nothing, obviously, the Bucs could do about that. So it, it's kind of an interesting situation, but I would imagine the NFL is going to ask questions. Of the Bucks, did you know? Yes or no, and if you did, why was it not an injury report? Oh wait, we don't need to know that. We just know that you did put an injury report. We're gonna we're gonna do something of some sort, take away draft picks, or I don't know, whatever else it could be. Uh, but if they knew and they didn't put him on there, that's that's the spirit of the rule. I don't I don't care for them skirting that uh, responsibility, if you will.
0: Yeah, uh, it's there for a reason, and usually to benefit the player. I know that. The teams don't want other players, opposing players, taking shots. Right. But it's to benefit the player as far as the documentation of such. Okay. Are you okay with Lamar Jackson doing defensive back drills with teenagers on asphalt, as was shown in a video? Guys that he's, you know, he's been a good guy. He's mentoring these teenagers. It's yeah. really cool stuff. I mean, they they got to be so thrilled to be doing anything with Lamar Jackson Raven said, hey, calm down, everybody, because the backlash in social media was really strong that Jackson shouldn't be doing this stuff. Robert Edwards on the beach before the Pro Bowl, anyone? That's the one that always comes to mind. Robert Edwards, really talented Mm -hmm. player who ended his career, basically, uh, during a Pro Pro Bowl beach football game. So your thoughts here. When I first saw it, I was like,
3: is that from when he was back in high school? I didn't realize it was from a day or two ago. Yeah. And I was like, man, the Ravens are not going to like this. Look, I am I, – I, I'm not one of those guys that, like, you know, hey, man, you got to put the th- – that guy's got to be in bubble wrap at all times. You know, you can't do this. You can't – you know, these guys are working out. But taking undue risk, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was playing – there was a video of him playing basketball, I think, last summer, I think. And Brett Veach was like – and that's the last video to see of Patrick Mahomes playing basketball. Look, the, the 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 pushback has been: well, he was out doing something with the guys in his community. Great, be the all-time quarterback,
2: Take throw them cards. a bunch of
3: passes, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, do do something in which you know shoot free throws, shoot baskets, where you're not putting yourself in a you slip and fall, tear Oh, I mean, you're sitting on millions and millions of dollars. I appreciate the fact that he's out there with young kids.
0: Love it, but. Be the all-time
3: quarterback. Throw him passes. Yeah.
0: Do yeah. those kind of things. Like Brady did that video with those little kids when he's like, yes. go Welker, yes. go Danny Amendola, go right. Edelman, these three little kids. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, one more quick one. 30 seconds. 15 on this. James Gandolfini was offered the job to replace Steve Carell in The Office. Ooh. I never knew that. I $4 million or $3 million offer, and or it, whatever it was. It was millions, but HBO gave him enough to not take it. How would James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, do <sighs> as the boss in The Office? That is something I'd love to see. Or would I would have, have, have to liked see. to
3: have seen how it went down with James Gandolfini and Dwight. Mm-hmm. It would, that would have kept me going for you the next couple of seasons. Saying? Oh, I'm, glad okay. it ha- I'm glad it didn't happen, though. I, I'm really glad it didn't happen. It would only it be good
0: happen. if he played Tony Soprano in that role. Then he, it yes. gets really interesting. All right, Johnny, thanks fun. so much. All right, thanks, Mark. All right, so tomorrow, Nick Ferguson, former Texan, Drew Doherty catches up with him. We'll have some other stuff for you as well, as it's always exciting. It's always a new, exciting day on Texans Radio. And thank you, Eddie, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.
1: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610 In America the future belongs to everyone so we built the trucks of the future for everyone. Ford F-Series America's best selling trucks for 44 years straight built for performance and capability on and off road because the trucks of the future aren't built for a few they're built for America Ford F-Series, drive one today based on 1977 to 2020 calendar year total sales.